This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at pgasuperstore.com. Now, back to you, Chris. All right, now back in making his sixth appearance with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Donnie Hammond. Let me remind you a little bit about Donnie's background. He is from Frederick, Maryland, which is in the northern part of Maryland near the Virginia and West Virginia border. Played his college, or his college golf, I should say, at Jacksonville University, where he was a four-year letterman. As a sophomore, he finished seventh in the 1977 Sun Belt Championship. As a senior, he came back and won it by six strokes. He would go on to lead Jacksonville University to two Sun Belt Conference championships. He's a charter member of the Jacksonville University Sports Hall of Fame. Donnie earned his tour card by meddling at the 1982 PGA Tour qualifying tournament at TPC Sawgrass and get this, winning it by a record 14 strokes, folks. He played on the PGA Tour from 1983 to 1998. He won twice on the regular tour at the 1986 Bob Hope Chrysler Classic and the 1989 Texas Open, where he came within one stroke of the all-time scoring record, having shot rounds of 65, 64, 65, 64 at Oak Hill. He went once on what was then the Buy.com Tour, now the Web.com Tour at the 2000 Lakeland Classic. Donnie also won the 1982 Florida Open. Over the course of his career, he's had 46 top 10 finishes, and he's made the cut 70% of the time that he's teed it up. His birthday is coming up on April the 1st, and I am honored that he is back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Donnie, happy birthday a little early, my friend. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, Chris, coming up. The old Dometer's getting ready to click over one more time, it looks like. <laughs> so, Donnie, and I hope you don't mind me saying, you're going to be 61. I'll be 53 on April 19th, so we're both Aries for whatever that is worth. But, Donnie, does it does it bother it, you? Did, did 60 bother you? 50 didn't bother me. I don't know about 60. Does it bother you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, i got to be honest. I mean, it's kind of a kind of a number that is a little – yeah, I loved it when I got to 50. You know, I'm eligible for the Champions Tour, but then you hit 60. It's not not that appealing. But but you kind of you're a little closer to Social Security, so I don't know. It's kind of mixed, but overall, I'd say it's negative. Yeah. <laughs> so Donnie, catch us up. What's been going on with you so far here in, in 2018? Been playing a lot of golf. Uh, yeah, I was up at TPC the other day. Uh, that your club hub. I need to get some of those because I was le- I left a couple clubs out there. Leonard Thompson was playing right behind me. And I'm sitting in the bar having a glass of wine, and he brings up my sand wedge that I left on the 18th hole. He was playing right behind us, so I got to get some of those just for club location, <laughs> actually, not for dots or anything. But just playing a lot of golf, teaching, teaching a little bit of golf, and uh, actually, since Tiger came back, I've been watching a lot of golf, and it's uh, it's been pretty exciting. So talk about the teaching piece. That's that's sort of something new over the last year or so, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, I work at a club in Orlando, Alacroix Country Club. It's in the north side of town as the membership director. Uh, started teaching about a year ago, and it's it's become pretty fun. I have uh, I have some good junior golfers, and I'm teaching some of the members. And, you know, it kind of reinforces what, what you've been working on for years. A lot of the things come back to you. And so it's actually helped my game. So, you know, being able to help some of the youngsters, some of the members, and then, you know, maybe swing the club a little better myself. So it's been a, it's been a good uh, synergy with the teaching. And and when you're 
And when you're spending time, whether it's with the junior players or, or the members there, talk about your style. Is, are, are you a, a look and a feel guy? Are you a track man guy? Do you mix the, mix the two? What's your style of teaching? I mean, I like, I like to use all the technology that's out there right now, whether it's, you know, help fit, fit, uh, the folks with the right, uh, weight shaft, the flex, uh, you know, if they're hooking it, you can flatten the irons a little bit. I like, um, I like using, you know, the technology to, to help the players improve. And then I like to be out on the golf course. We, you know, we're kind of an exclusive course. So, uh, I can take them out on the golf course with not a lot of people around and work on a lot of the scoring shots, whether it's, you know, yardages, chipping, putting, bunker shots. Uh, so not as much of the mechanical, you know, we do some of that on the range, but when we get out on the golf course, then we figure out how we're going to score, you know, a little course knowledge, uh, you know, what we're going to hit off the tee, how we're going to draw the ball, fade the ball a little bit. And then around the greens is, you know, that's where you can really save a lot of shots. So kind of fine tuning the, the scoring part of the game for, for my people. And talk about that around the greens. Give us give us a playing tip, Donnie, because I, I see some different schools of thought, right? Like my my son, seventeen, he he's playing some junior golf, and his his first instructor was all about using just use the wedge. Let's use one club, no matter you know if he was you know two or three yards off the green, if he was ten or fifteen yards off the green, and te- teaching him how to you know to chip and pitch with just that one club. But then. We, I, I think, see other instructors yeah. talk about, you know, using seven iron, eight iron, nine iron, depending on how close you are. Talk about what's your style. What do you think the right thing to do is? I think when you start out playing the first year or so, it's okay to, you know, just go with your sand wedge from off the green. But then, you know, as you start fine tuning, getting down in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, you know, then you want to start using clubs like eight iron where you, you know, you're able to pitch it five or six feet onto the green and let it roll another 50 feet, you know, instead of trying to fly the sand wedge halfway there, you know, your margin for error is a lot less when you get the ball rolling a little lower, uh, even with a hybrid, you know, off the, off the greens down here in Florida, those are great when you get in that little Bermuda rough right around the greens, just take that little three or four hybrid out and, and get it rolling or you can just carry it onto the green. But the biggest mistake that I've seen in the last 25 years with amateurs is when they get in the bunker, they don't open the face enough. You know, they come in there, they might have a 60 degree sand wedge, but that's where they have it. They have it right there level at 60 degrees. You have to open that up and, you know, 75 degrees, just kind of open it up almost as much as you can, because then you can take a full swing, take a little bit of sand and and be able to your margin of error is very low when, when you're able to take a full swing you uh you know you you splash the ball out almost like you imagine maybe that it's a ping pong ball in the uh in the bunker so you have to really take a full swing and splash it out and you can do that when you open the face but uh, i don't see that a whole lot when i'm playing pro-ams uh and that's that's probably the number one uh tip i can give uh amateurs Donnie, I want to talk a little bit about the mental side of the game. We talk about that a lot here on this show. And I think we saw Tiger talk about just, you know, just this past weekend at the Arnold Palmer about not committing to the shot, right? He, he Coming down the stretch, he wasn't committed to the driver. 
and, uh, and put himself out, you know, OB, and it really cost himself the opportunity to continue his charge late on Sunday. But talk about, you know, coming, coming to whatever, whatever you decide to do, the importance of committing to that shot so that you can try to execute it and not decel, when, uh, which obviously gets so many of, of we amateurs in trouble. I mean, it starts, Chris, with picking out your target. That's, that's a very important. If you're going to hit a little five-yard draw, you know, the pins in the back left, you pick out a target, try to pick out something, you know, like a part of a bush or a leaf or even a tee that's, you know, a little bit ahead of you that's on that line and really commit to starting the ball on that line with that little draw. And then you just, uh, you know, you have to you take your practice swing or you go through your routine. And, and that's another important thing is try to keep that as consistent as you can. Like when you're hitting balls on the range, be aware of what is my routine? How many times do I waggle? How many times do I look up uh, and get that consistent so that you can, uh, you know, you can be doing the same, especially over shots where you have to hit over water or, you know, tight, uh, tight hole locations is to get the routine. And then you just have to let it go. You just have to commit to the shot. That's your best chance actually for hitting a good shot is just to, you have to let it go and not try to steer it. I mean, you know, you get on the first tee at the club there and you got some people watching, you try to steer it. Good things usually don't happen, but at least you have a chance when you take a good full swing and have that target in mind where you want to start it. And let's just take that last example one step further, Donnie. When you do step to the first tee and there are people around you, whether it's, you know, just the, the next foursome, you know, in line for their tee time, or you might be playing in a tournament and, you know, everyone is sort of backed up, you know, waiting for people to get off on number one. How do you not let, you know, the choke, you know, come in? How do you not let that big bite of the apple get you and just relax, <laughs> yeah. tee it up and let it go and get off the first tee? It's hard to do. I, I, I mean, I was 10, 15 years. I'm sure you could ask Olin Brown the same question that's getting ready to come on when he gets into a regular tournament. You know, if he's 57, 58 years old, he's still going to get those, you know, those butterflies on the first tee. And it's, it's just hard to get away from. It's kind of like they say, you know, if you're not nervous, then you're not in the right mindset. You just try to use it to your advantage because what it does is it, is it gives you energy. You know, you're, you're fired up a little bit. You have people watching and, uh, you know, you're starting out the tournament. So it does give you energy. And the more you can kind of stay with your routine, and pick your target out that at least gives you the chance to you know to bust it down the middle of the fairway and hopefully birdie the first hole but it's a hard thing to to accomplish over the years and speaking of energy donnie when you when you're playing you know midway through the front nine maybe you're making the turn in a tournament going to the back nine it's it's not like you know it is for for most of us we're at the turn we can go in and grab a, a whatever a hot dog a, a, you know a, a a candy bar or whatever it might be what what do you what do you take when you're playing in a tournament what do you take out on the tour or out on the course with you so that you keep your energy up i'll tell you the best thing i liked is is to grab a peanut butter and jelly from lunch when you go in you know the clubhouse they have everything in these clubhouses that we played on the tour you could take fried chicken you could, they'll bring, they'll make anything for you know the tour pros but i used to love having a peanut butter and jelly on whole wheat and just put that into a you know a plastic bag 
and then just try not to make a big mess of yourself when you're out there because it does get a little, <laughs> you know, the jelly. But uh, that was the best thing. And then they have all these little, you know, oatmeal protein bars and things like that. But I was never crazy about those. Uh, I, I used to uh, protein drinks. I used to have those. I would mix up some protein powder with that had carbohydrates in it and mix that with water. And that was kind of like a, like a liquid meal. And that, that would hold you over. You really didn't need food with that. And, and uh, that was pretty good. But you try a bunch of different things when you're out there and see what works. Donnie, I, I want to switch gears a little bit and, and get your thoughts on some of the things going on around the tour right now. And, and all right, the big topic is about the golf ball, right? Bifurcation. Should we have one set of, you know, a set of golf balls, you know, golf ball regulations for the guys out on tour while the rest of us can continue to play what's available to us out on the market? Do you buy into any of that? Is that the right thing to do? Is that the wrong thing to do? Or should we not be worried about what, what's going on with the golf ball at all? I think it's going to be pretty hard to scale the ball back right now. I think that that ship maybe sailed about eight or 10 years ago. Um, it's, it just got a little bit, you know, the ball companies got just a little bit ahead of the people that were testing the golf balls and they were able to figure out, you know, how to do the, the outside, the core, you know, the outside of the golf ball, the layering, they, you know, they, they're just experts at it and, you know, I think it would be a good thing if, you know, there were limits on the PJ Tour ball. That would make it a lot simpler than trying to do it game-wide where you did it, you know, the, for, for all the amateur players. I don't think that that's a good idea at all. But I think I think it could work with the professional tours where they could bring back the, you know, the mileage, the speed that it's coming off the club face. I think that'd be a good thing. Last Sunday... We saw Rory McIlroy, right? I right? have 373 yards on the par 5 16th hole. So we had driver wedge to that par 5. If, if they decided for whatever reason, you know what, we're not going to roll this thing back. Should they be doing something to the golf courses to make it, you know, fairways more narrow, grow the rough a little higher, change the conditions a little bit, make make scoring a little more difficult to do if they decide not to do anything with the equipment? I mean, a hole like 16 at Bay Hill, you, yeah, driver sand wedge. I mean, that, that, that was crazy. I was watching that on TV. We were at a little birthday party and I couldn't believe it. I thought he must have laid up. They said, no, this is second shot. I'm watching. Uh, I think what you could do on holes like that is just bring the fairway in a couple yards on each side. Uh, you know, you could have the rough a little higher, but you know, we have a lot of tournaments where the rough, uh, is high and the guys still, you know, shoot 16 under for the week. You know, like up at East Lake in Atlanta, you know, a couple of years ago, they would have the rough up, but the guys were driving it 100 yards from the hole and still, you know, they could still get sand wedge on it. So um, you could firm, you know, firm the fairways up a little bit. You know, when they chase out and roll into the rough, then you're not going to be able to, you know, get get the spin on the ball and be able to control it like you can, you know, when you hit it out there 320. So it's tricky. The guys... You know, the guys are hitting it further right now than they used to. We're, the guys are swinging harder, and they're, and they're hitting it for a lot further. So it's, uh, it's going to be tough. Donnie, looking ahead a couple of weeks, we have the Masters coming up here on the calendar. Do you remember the first time you drove up Magnolia Lane and played the course? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, 86. Um, beautiful. I think the weather was really nice the first three days or so. And I think I mentioned on your show before, I got to play nine holes with Arnold on Tuesday. And that was just the highlight of the week for me, the highlight of, you know, of Augusta National for me. Uh, and then I was in contention that week uh, for the tournament. So it's just whether you go there as a player or as a fan, or even if you're working up there, you know, as a volunteer, it's it's just a fantastic place to be. And especially if you catch the good weather, I'm hoping you get some really good weather up there this week and uh, maybe redeem yourself on the weather on what day are you going Wednesday? I'm going Monday. Monday. Okay. All right. I think I may go Saturday. I like watching. I, I like, uh, I have a qualifier up there on Monday after the tournament in Atlanta for the champions tour. So I like to go a day or two before that so I can get my practice round. And I think I'll be out there Saturday. So it's, uh, it's really exciting though. It's, you know, it's golf course is so beautiful and, and you kind of miss it after not being there, you know, for a few years. Donnie, what was it like? trying to learn how to putt those greens the first time. I got to imagine that's one of the hardest sets of greens to understand, figure out, understand what the break is, speed, top to back, you know, top to front, side to side. What was it like the first time trying to figure them out? Well, luckily I had a, I had a really good caddy up there um, that had been around the course several years. He had caddied in the tournament uh, before that, Sonny Clifton and, uh, he was excellent around there. That helped a lot on some of the reads because I was way off on, you know, the first couple of days where I was hoping to hit the ball. And then Sonny would come in and say, whoa, we got to go, you know, this way. But, uh, you know, the speed is hard to get used to. I, ha- I had a putt-putt right near my house in Orlando. Th- these were the old putt-putts that were kind of flat. And I would go there in the evening the week before and hit these 20-footers that were actually they were quicker putts than, than I even had at Augusta. So, I mean, I, I went up there for an hour and a half at night and just putted uh, at these putt-putts, and some of them were breaking, and that kind of helped a lot because when I got up there, it was I was a little bit used to the, you know, the speed of, uh, of putts. But there, the greens, if you hit a seven- or eight-footer and you get it online, it's going to go in the hole. It's, it's not going to hit a spike mark or do something crazy. That That's the good thing. You can hit. 10 or 15 footers and four feet from the hole, you know, you, you're seeing it break toward the hole, you know, it's going to go in. And that's, uh, that makes it a little easier. Donnie, talk about the 12th hole. You know, we, we hear it's the, you know, the hardest little hole in golf. What makes number 12 so difficult to figure out? Well, the wind, you know, you get there and you, and you're coming down the 11th fairway and you're already starting to check the wind a little bit for 12, but it's something about that little valley area down there that, you know, the winds are going in one direction, going up 13. They're heading down on 12 and they're going a little bit the other direction up on 11. It's just, it's never set. It's almost like when you're standing over the shot, you have to adjust a little bit right before you pull it back. It's changed, you know, within 10 seconds or so. And that's kind of hard to adjust to when you have water all up the front of the green, shrubbery in the back, bunkers, and a very narrow green, you know, to hit to with the distance. So it's it's just a demanding shot. You know, if you, you know, let it leak a little right, 
you're probably going to make at least five. So uh, it's just a big adjustment. And once again, you have to hit it when you're ready and, and you have a good idea on the wind. And then you just have to make the best swing you can and hope you uh, hope you're going to the putter after the tee shot. And that hole seems to clearly be in Jordan Spieth's head. You know, we all know about the disaster he made a couple of years ago. He put another ball in the water in the fourth round last year. How do you mentally get past something like that? Sometimes, guys, you know, it takes years before you get over something like that. He's He'll be thinking about that for sure. You know, he could take a little bit more of a conservative route to the left, but you know, over the years, we've seen a lot of guys make double from that back left bunker or, you know, back in those bushes in the back. If you catch it a little, a little long and a little left, you can make five just as easy from there. So, um, I think, uh, I think he's get, gotten a lot of experience the last two or three years there and it's probably going to do a lot better this year. Um, but, that's a tough thing to get over. It's just a really tough hole, and um, anything can happen there. You, you know, you make a two there, and you feel like you're stealing uh, walking off that green. But it'll be interesting to see how he handles it this year. Donnie, just a couple of more before we let you go. And um, like I said at the top of the show, one of our good friends here is actor-turned-host of Talking Golf Getaways, and that's Mitchell Lawrence. And Mitch said he's played some rounds of golf with you, wanted me to say hello to you for him. But yeah. uh, curious, what do, do you remember teeing it up with Mitch? I do. Yeah, we played in Greensboro in the Pro-Am. And I was like, this guy's funny. Yeah, he's a comedian. Okay, yeah, he's supposed to be funny. He was really great. Yeah, I remember Mitch. He's a good player, too, Mitch is- I think. I yeah, he's, I he's gone exclusively to the hickory shafted clubs now. So he has, that's all he does is play hickory. Well, now he's not a good to... player then. If he's playing wooden shafts, I think he's gone downhill <laughs> a little bit. But it, it's got to be enjoyable to play with those old clubs. But Mitch was great. Yeah, I remember running into Mitch um, a few years after that out on the tour. He was a big golf fan, and you could tell he loved the game, and he was he was great to be around. Donnie, one of the other things that you and I have in common is our affection for NASA and uh, space exploration. So I got—I know you, you post some stuff out on social media about that sort of thing. So if SpaceX had an open seat to go to the moon, you getting on? Uh, yeah, I'd go to the moon. I'm not—I'm not packing to go to Mars though. Not just yet. No, no. But I would take the trip to the moon. Yeah, I'd go there. But yeah, I, I've I'm just missed in a qualifier. Uh, down in Boca, I missed in the playoff for the uh, the first qualifier of the year, and um and the SpaceX launch, the the big one, the heavy Falcon Heavy was launching, like in 20 minutes. I'm driving up the turnpike. I have my iPad streaming on SpaceX. I got it on my phone, and all of a sudden the turnpike turns east, and I'm heading right toward the Cape now, and I and I watched it blast off, and I'm watching it online, and then. I watched the, you know, the the two side rockets land simultaneously right there on the pad, and it was just amazing. That was like one of the craziest things I've ever seen, as far as you know, around the around the Cape. And that had to be exciting for you to see, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm telling you, uh, you know, the the whole idea that uh, we're starting, you know, and again, it's, it costs you a grillion dollars to to do any of this sort of thing. But uh, that we're starting to inch our way towards, you know, this sort of thing, right? Whether we 
can uh, one day people can actually go to the moon and that's a thing. And then to your point, uh, they're starting to talk about trips to Mars and all of that. But uh, I've been a big space nut since the Apollo days and uh, the, the, yeah, the dream of yeah. going to the moon and that sort of thing. Boy, that's, that's something that I've always sort of fancied. Yeah, I really love it. I, I try to see as many as I can, the launches down there, and I'm always watching them online. Um, it's fantastic. It's in the last year and a half or so, it's, uh, you know, they've really perfected those, you know, reusable rockets and, uh, it's pretty thrilling to watch. Donnie, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether that's, you know, the, the teaching, whether that's following you as, as you, you know, qualify to get back out on the champions tour and then just sort of all the other things that you're doing, how can they follow you online and over social media? Yeah, Twitter, Twitter at, uh, Donnie Hammond and then uh, DonnieHammond.com. I'm, I'm starting to do little schools down here. If you're traveling to Orlando and you want to come down for a half a day or a day, um, you know I can take you out on the course and we can teach and play some play a round or two. And I do that. And that's on the you know my contact information is on DonnieHammond.com. So they could um, they could do that. Donnie, thank you so much for taking time out of your night uh, to come back and be a part of the show. I always have such a great time when you're able to join me. I appreciate your time tonight, and hopefully we get the opportunity to catch up with you again real soon. I hope so. Have fun at the Masters, and thanks for having me on, Chris. All right, Donnie. You do the same. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon, my friend. Thanks. Bye-bye. See you, Donnie. That's the great Donnie Hammond. And again, DonnieHammond.com and uh, check him out at Donnie Hammond uh, on Twitter. He does a lot of great stuff. And uh, the space stuff is something that, uh, that I certainly share with him and look forward to catching up with Donnie. Hopefully again here real soon.